song and the male and female voices echoing and singing together God's praise. Revelation chapter 17, this is the word of God. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. This title was written on her forehead. Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast she rides, which has the seven heads and ten horns. The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and will come up out of the abyss and go to his destruction. The inhabitants of the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world, will be astonished when they see the beast, because he once was, now is not, and yet will come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come. But when he does come, he must remain for a little while. The beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast they will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and with Him will be His called, chosen, and faithful followers. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to give the beast their power to rule until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. Amen. Let's just pray together. Father, help us please to hear your voice today. Would you make our hearts receptive and responsive to your word? Would you train our eyes and focus them afresh on Christ? Would you teach our hands and our feet to move in fresh obedience according to the teaching of your word? Work now, we pray, as your word read is now proclaimed. 
And may you do that work in all of our hearts and for your glory. Amen. One of the great figures of the Scottish Reformation was Samuel Rutherford. And Samuel Rutherford spent much of his life under persecution. As a young man, he was exiled for daring to teach about salvation by grace. As an old man, he was condemned to die for insisting that the king was subject to God's law. Observers have often wondered how Rutherford maintained his life of joyful faith amid such troubles. And the answer is found in a hymn that paraphrases Rutherford's dying words and his hope in Christ. This hymn words are, The sands of time are sinking, the dawn of heaven breaks, the summer morn I've sighed for, the fair sweet morn awakes. Dark, dark hath been the midnight, but day spring is at hand, and glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. See one or two people mouthing along there. That's a great old hymn, clearly. Might I suggest that those words and the sure and certain hope of heaven uh, might spur us on in these days of darkness in our world. And particularly in these weeks when we're wrestling our way through uh, these desperate chapters of Revelation. We've just had two weeks of the seven bowls of judgment. God's patience finally coming to an end, and he is bringing in his just judgment on an unbelieving and rebellious world. Chapters 17 and 18 explain these bold judgments further. Specifically, we're dealing with Babylon here. Towards the end of chapter 16, last week in verse 19, we read that God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Well, here we find out a bit more about Babylon. Uh, we find out a, a chunk more uh, detail here. She's called the great prostitute. Babylon, though, is more than simply a city. It represents a world system, a religious system, as well as a political and economic system. Babylon represents everything mankind has accomplished apart from God. For centuries, humanity has denied God and served idols, but he will judge their false religion at the end of the tribulation. And Babylon, as we read here in Scripture, is the seat of the world's false religious system that is set up by the Antichrist in these end times. We're given an insight here into what this evil world system is and has become and how it will end. Here this morning, we see the judgment of the great prostitute. I was going to call this the beauty and the beast from parts of the text as you've read your way through, but I think, as I shared with the kids earlier, actually, her beauty may well be external, and there's no inner beauty within her. One question to hold in your mind this week and next, because it'll take us two weeks to do this chapter. One question to hold in mind is, why would any sane person choose Babylon over the new Jerusalem? Why would any person in their right mind choose Antichrist over Jesus? Chapter begins with the exposure of the scarlet beauty. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. 
one of the angels comes and invites John to come. John was invited to come back in chapter 4, you'll remember, and was taken into heaven where he was shown the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. He was uh, taken in the Spirit. And that's the second time, chapter 4 was the second time we had read that phrase, in uh, the Spirit. John was in the Spirit in chapter 1 when he uh, was invited by the glorified Jesus, when the glorified Jesus actually appeared to him with a message for his churches. Here he is invited again uh, to come, and this time is shown the final judgments on Babylon and on the beast. And as we see in verse 3, he is once again carried in the Spirit. He will be invited a third time to come and will again be in the Spirit, and that's in chapter 21. But at that time, he will see the complete opposite of what he sees here. At that time, he will see the bride of Christ and the heavenly city. Here he sees this great prostitute and a wicked city. These invitations of come and coming in the Spirit punctuate the book of Revelation. Here John is told he is going to see the punishment of the judgment of the great prostitute. The Lord chose a very vivid description as he inspired John to pen these very words, revealing one who sells herself for profit and the pleasure of others. In this passage, the word refers to the whole system of false religion embraced by this world. These verses teach us something about this system of false religion and how it is going to be judged someday. Before God brings an end to this idolatrous world system, he wants John and his readers, he wants you and he wants me to see it for what it is. John sees worldly culture personified as a detestable harlot, a wash in iniquity and violence, who has not only uh, who has not only turned from godly virtue, but one who has used her sinful pleasures to lead multitudes into idolatry. Friends, we need to look carefully around us in our day, because this world system is present and it's active. And dare I say, it's stronger and more widespread now than it's ever been. Let me try and explain as we work our way through. You see, we discover uh, this prostitute's popularity here in verse 1. Her popularity, it says we are, we're, we're told there that she sits on many waters. You need to jump down to verse 15 to understand what these waters are. And verse 15 defines the waters as people, as multitudes, as nations, as tongues, as languages. Literally the whole world. The influence of this woman will consume all of humanity. So popular will she be that everyone will want to come to her and be a part of this one world system. She is attractive. She is alluring. People see the attraction and they're drawn in to her. We live in a day of varied religions with vastly different views. The primary religions recognized by most people across the world would be Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism. Most of the world's population observes one of these religions. But there's little agreement between them currently. The Antichrist or the false prophet will have a plan that will iron out all of the differences that the, between these systems of belief. One day there will be a one world religion. People will be attracted to it. And there's a move in our day already to unite all of religion under a common banner. 
Everyone speaks of working together. The interfaith movement in recent years has tried to bring everybody together to show that we're all the same. We all worship the same God, but it just takes on a different little forum for us. What tosh, by the way. That's what the Bible says. There is one way. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. We need to be careful. We slowly begin to let practice from other religions into our way of life. What's wrong with a bit of yoga, a bit of Zen meditation, a bit of mindfulness? Well, actually, if you want to go and look at the roots of them all, there is great danger there. Allow me to remind you that religion is man-made. Religion is man-made. Salvation is of the Lord. I pray that you have more than a mere religious experience. I'm not religious. I am redeemed. I'm not counting on religious rituals. I have put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I am saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I can't do anything of myself. It is only all of Jesus. He is the only way, the only truth, the only life. Have you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and him alone? This point in time in Revelation 17 with the church uh, raptured with uh, all the spirit-filled believers having been removed. The religions of the world will unite under the banner of a one-world religion. They will worship Antichrist and his world system. And I'll come back to some different thoughts on that later on. We see her popularity. Everyone's going to come. They're going to be drawn in. She's going to be this attractive person that draws people into uh, this system. But we also see her perversion in verse 2. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. The leaders of this world are going to be seduced by this harlot. They've made their bed with the great prostitute. She will be praised and she will be promoted by the kings of the earth. She will use her charms to deceive the world into thinking she is the right way. The whole world will be intoxicated by the teaching of this false system of belief like a slick seductress. This great prostitute will seduce the world with her promises and with her power. The angel's not describing people who are uh, physically Uh, drunk with literal wine, uh, committing sexual immorality with an actual prostitute, although that may be happening. Instead, the angel is talking about those who are passionately intoxicated uh, with Antichrist's illicit false world religion. There will be a great appeal for uh, the people of this world and this universal religion. All will be accepted regardless of uh, what they believe or practice. People want to worship something. Maybe it's themselves, maybe it's their pleasures, um, but people want to worship something is built into us. People want to feel good about it. They want to feel good about themselves. People love coming to a church where they only ever speak of a God of love, a, a God who doesn't condemn, a God who doesn't want them to change. They love to attend a service sometime during the week, leave feeling good about themselves and live the rest of the week as they please This harlot draws them in. She intoxicates them. Friends, God calls us to be a separate people coming apart from the world. And I think for an awful long time now, particularly in the West, 
Christians have moved away from the things of God to compromise with the things of the world. And it's dangerous. And the Bible calls us to be set apart. And that takes courage. It takes courage. It means thinking carefully. And it means not being led blindly. In these days, all of humanity, in these days written about in Revelation 17, all of humanity will abandon the true and living God to commit adultery with this beauty. We see her promoters here in verse 3. She's not alone in all of this. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert, and there I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The harlot is supported by the Antichrist. The Antichrist is a beast. He carries this religious system to great power in the world. He will be the catalyst that brings this one world religion. He will be the backbone of this idolatrous system. The beast's scarlet color identifies him with Satan, the red dragon, reflects his bloody persecution of the saints. The blasphemous names reflect his idolatrous demand to be worshipped by everybody. He wants to set himself up as God. During the first half of the tribulation, he will make a deal with Israel, bringing peace. But in the latter stages, he will desecrate the very Jewish temple and set himself up as the, the one people are to bow down to. The seven heads, as we'll discover in verse 9, or seven hills. This could be a reference to ancient Rome, which was built on seven hills. And some people think that that reference ties this system in with Roman Catholicism. However, seven hills could quite simply be a reference to the seven continents, which actually, for me, would indicate that this system is worldwide in nature. There is a tendency to try and figure out which religion this passage is referring to. But can I humbly suggest that we leave that to the Lord instead of trying to come up with it ourselves? This end times world religion will be made up of Catholics, no doubt. But I need to tell you, it's going to be made up of Mormons, it's going to be made up of Jehovah's Witnesses, it's going to be made up of Muslims, it's going to be made up of Presbyterians, it's going to be made up of Methodists, and sadly, yes, it is even going to be made up of Baptists who have been led astray. We need to be careful who we follow. The weak will be deceived. They will be led astray. Whatever the case is about this world religion, whatever these seven heads, this world religious system will enjoy a time of prominence, a time of promotion by the world. And we see this proven by the ten horns, which as we discover in verse 12 are ten kings. Um, We'll think a bit more about those next week. The great prostitute will have the support of the beast and all who follow him, basically the entire world. Friends, we need to be careful. We need to watch who we follow. Notice also her prosperity. Prostitutes tend to dress in such a way as to catch the eye, to draw attention, to lure you in. This false world system is going to do exactly the same. John describes her appearance in verse 4. She's dressed in purple and scarlet, the colors of royalty and of power. She is clothed in fine apparel, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. The prostitute will acquire great wealth and prosperity. The one world system of religion will be wealthy beyond measure. You know, in our day to day, I am always wary of flashy, flamboyant, fly-by-night preachers 
who we often see on television, actually, and some of those so-called Christian channels, charlatans who use the name of Jesus to make money through the health and prosperity gospel. Avoid them at all costs. Look, there'll be more of them in the end times. Watch them at all costs. Don't be sending your money in for a miracle a bottle, of, a bottle of miracle spring water or for a green hanky. Listen, it's water out of a tap, and it's a hanky that somebody's just made up and is punting out in the post to you. The Bible tells us that this system is well-connected. It's prosperous, but it's all a pretense. We see this harlot uh, hold a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. Well, she flashes the wealth of her prosperity before others, hidden within the facade is great wickedness. To the world it appears that all is well. They've finally found a form of religion that all can agree with and find acceptance in. But God sees right through the outer shell to the heart of the matter. Friends, we have to be in our guard. The lure of the world is all uh, around us. It's so evident. Images flash up on billboards and our televisions, indeed on the very uh, phones that we uh, seem to be addicted to these days. Uh, people seem to have an extra limb attached to their body at all times, this mobile phone in their hands. Be careful what you look at. Don't let the lure of wealth, fine clothing, possessions, pleasures draw you away from Christ and into a cup of sin. And listen, we have to be careful not to fall into that trap of wanting to make ourselves appealing and acceptable to the world either. We need the approval of God, not the acceptance of the world. You know, we may never achieve great numbers, numbers considered to be successful by the world here in the church, but I want to give folks what they need instead of what they want. We might not be the flashy church around the corner with the flashing lights and the charismatic performances offered up the fronts, but we are the church that holds up the very word of God and says, thus says the Lord. Brothers and sisters, there is enough worldliness in our everyday lives without bringing it into the church. And we're not finished. For the angel's got more to show us here about just who this scarlet beauty is. He shows us our personality in verse 5. This title was written on our forehead. Uh, mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, of the abominations of uh, the earth. Her personality is seen in the title that's written on her head. In ancient times, uh, it was uh, common for prostitutes to wear identification so that prospective customers knew uh, how to recognize them. This system is identified by God here as Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, of the abominations of the earth. Mystery. Mystery can mean secret, something that's hidden. Babylon uh, wasn't hidden. The people knew the city. But the city also, as we said, represents a world system, and it is subversive. It is hidden away. It's not always clearly seen by people. Babylon is described as a system from which every false religious system in the world originates. That's what the title mother implies. This Babylonian system, if you're a good biblical scholar, will know that it originated in Genesis 11. The city was called Babel then, was founded by a guy called Nimrod. 
The people of Babel decided to build themselves a tower so they could leave their mark on the world. The flood was fresh in their minds, and they wanted to leave their mark on the world. How sad is that, by the way? The tower and the religion it represented as the first of many false religions started by man. They were the first religionists, but they'll not be the last. First false religionists, but they'll not be the last. However, the same seeds of humanism and pride that are to be found in their attempt at forming their own religion can be found in every religion founded by man. Babylon, the great prostitute, gave birth to all the false religions of this world. Those who rely upon rituals and or look to other sources of power instead of the eternal God of heaven. She stands for all that godless religion promotes. And God judged those people in Genesis 11 for their rebellion and for their foolish worship. And just as he judged them, he will one day judge all the false religions of the world. This is what we see here in Revelation 17. This chapter clearly, clearly reveals what will happen to the false religions of this world at the very end of time. Religion. Religion without the Lord Jesus Christ is a waste of time. Hell is going to be filled with those who are devoutly religious, but never came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is sad, but it's true. And lastly, as we get to verse 6 for today, as we discover this great prostitute, we see her persecutions. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. Because this false a religious system is driven by self-interest. It is willing to sacrifice others to promote its own benefits and prosperity. And you know, I think we see this all across the globe with abortion, with euthanasia, with genocide, with infanticide. Life is increasingly discounted at its beginning and at its end, especially for those who are economically, ethnically, socially marginalized. However, in verse 6, it's revealed that the great prostitute has set her sights throughout history on the people of God, the followers of Jesus. John saw that this great harlot was drunk, not with alcohol, but with the very blood of the saints. This system of, uh, of belief is responsible for the death of uh, every saint of God who has ever died at the hands of false religion, from the death of Abel to the prophets to the early Christian martyrs to the martyrs of the Inquisition, all the way to the millions of martyrs of the tribulation period. Every single death can be laid at the feet of the Babylonian prostitute. She is responsible for the death of God's children, and she is going to be judged for her bloodthirsty ways. It is her way or no way. Follow the Antichrist or die. And you know, sadly, as we see here, this false system, this false religious system, will not tolerate any other beliefs, especially belief in the truth. And do we not see that in our world today, in our society today? The big word and big theme over recent years has been tolerance. It's been equality, diversity. It's become almost a religion to people. Yet the one thing it is clearly not is tolerant. They only accept you if you agree with them. Nowhere have I seen that more than on the television the week before last with Piers Morgan on breakfast television. And don't worry, I don't watch Piers Morgan. But I was heard about this and went and researched it. 
there was somebody on the program calling for Piers Morgan to be sacked for daring to reject the current views on gender. A young man was on uh, claiming that there were over 100 genders now, and Piers Morgan was, uh, fair play to him, was banging the drum saying, listen, there's only two, there's only ever been two, male and female. And the young man wanted them sacked. Listen to this. He wanted them sacked because he refused to be educated. And by that, he meant that Piers Morgan refused to agree with the young man. How sad and intolerant we have become. This week, many of you have maybe seen on social media and on newspapers the stuff about Franklin Graham. And whatever your views on whether he should be over here holding a mass campaign or not, and I'm not totally in favor, but not for these reasons. But this week, uh, Liverpool, Sheffield, Glasgow have all banned him from holding a campaign because they believe he is homophobic. Just because he dares to say the biblical view the traditional view that we've known since the creation of time that marriage is one man and one woman for one lifetime. How intolerant our society has become when nobody has the ability to free speech anymore. That is the danger of where we are at. It's not a case of intolerance. It's not a case of saying things that aren't pleasant and being hateful. It is a case of free speech being challenged because you don't agree with the liberal rulers of our world. That is a dangerous place. And listen, the Bible tells us that it's going to get like that at the end of time. Are we nearing the end of time, brothers and sisters? We've just seen the exposure of the scarlet beauty this morning. The angel revealing her popularity, her perversions, her promoters, her, her prosperity, her personality, her persecution. Having seen and learned all that, just look at what John thought there at the end of verse 6. When I saw her, he said, I was greatly astonished. John was expressing that he was confused, he was shocked, he was astonished, he was frightened by the ghastly vision of such a contrastingly magnificent figure of a woman and such a deadly intent that she had. John was a devout believer and was astonished at the depravity of humanity and the outright rejection that he saw of Jesus. Next time, we'll get a bit more of an explanation uh, of the scarlet beauty, of the beast as well as it happens, before we finish with our judgment and see the extermination of the scarlet beauty. But for today, for today, I want to encourage us to open our eyes and to see the false religious system that is already at work around us. People are being duped by false teachers even today into believing that all will be saved, that all are good, that all roads lead to heaven. They're being led to seek selfish pleasure, to gain uh, all of those selfish possessions, to bow to the gods of tolerance and equality. Friend, there is only one way, and his name is Jesus. Today, would you turn to the Savior? Would you put your trust and your faith in him alone for salvation? Today, would you choose the new Jerusalem? The new Jerusalem. With all of its beauty, with all of its majesty, with all of its hope over the old, corrupt, depraved Babylon. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The great prostitute allures with pleasure 
that leads to the embrace of death and despair. The Savior Jesus calls with life from God for those who believe. The only blood that he bears is the blood that he shed in our place to free us from the penalty of sin. Would you look to him this morning, who is altogether lovely, and who imparts true beauty, life, and glory to those who take the cup of life from his hands. Today, today, would you delight in your Savior and in the beauty of his glorious gospel? Let's pray. Sovereign God, help us in these moments just to ponder your word to us this morning. These aren't easy weeks, Father God, not easy words or themes for us to be thinking on, and yet, yet you gave John that vision that he might write it down that we, your children, might see the dangers to come and might cling to our Savior all the more dearly now. Lord, help us to be awake and alert to the uh, false world system around us. Help us to be careful with who we follow, careful with what we believe, Help us to look to you and to judge everything against your word. Give us wisdom, Father God, and give us a discernment. And Lord, in the midst of that, would you uh, give us a desire to reach out to, to a lost world around. Lord, that we might point to the truth, that we might do so winsomely, uh, not judgmentally, but Lord, that we might do so winsomely as we show them the glory of Jesus, as we show them the beauty of our Lord and all of his glory and majesty and power and all of his humility and all of his willingness to go to the cross to die to save us. Lord, would you help us to reach out to those around in such a way that we might draw them to the Savior and draw them away from that which is false to that which is true. Lord, allow this difficult word this morning just to stay in our minds and to penetrate our hearts. Help us to seek to live it out in our lives this week, we pray. Father God, we uh, pray that if there's anything of man in there this morning, that you would rightly take that away and let only that which is of you remain in our minds. Father God, we thank you for your word, even though it's difficult. May your will be done in our lives, we pray, as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are going to remember that glorious gospel, our wonderful Savior, who gave his life for us, who the, whose only blood, the only blood,